Pastor Brian is at Summit this morning. Summit, in, in case you don't know, we have a location in Washington, Illinois. Uh, we have a, a campus there and a wonderful church family there. And so Pastor Brian doesn't always get a chance um, to spend time with them. And so, thank you, Rebecca. And so today, uh, it just so happens that they have breakfast for Sunday school and they have a fifth Sunday lunch. Isn't that convenient that that's when Pastor Brian's going over uh, to Summit? But I will tell you, in case you're interested, uh, Summit service, the worship service, begins at 1045. So you can be at service with us right here, then you can get in your car and you can drive to Washington and you can be at service with them too today. And I'm sure they'd even let you stay for lunch. So if that's something that interests you, uh, we would love for you to do that. I don't know if you noticed out in the foyer today, maybe you didn't come all the way down this way, but there is a, a cutout of Flat Brian out in the foyer today. He's in a sparkly gold suit. He looks fantastic. Uh, tomorrow is Pastor Brian's one-year anniversary as our lead pastor. Isn't that exciting? Yes, I'm grateful. Um, so if you get a chance today, I'd love for you to take a selfie with him and then you hashtag it, all the directions are out there. But at the end of the service today, we're all going to gather around Flat Brian. We're going to take a picture because I want to frame that for him uh, to tell him happy first year anniversary. Uh, so that'll be fun. Um, thanks for your consistency in giving. Appreciate that offering very much. Um, you, we try and regularly let you know how our finances look. That's, that's on the back of the bulletin, not every week, but on a regular basis. Um, so you can check that out. But many of you are so incredibly generous. We appreciate that very much. Uh, many of you are, are figuring out what the Lord's calling you to do, and we appreciate your sensitivity uh, to the Holy Spirit about that. Um, so for this whole past month, we've been studying a guy named Elijah, all right? This gets confusing to me. So Elijah is E-L-I-G-A, no, J-A-H, Elijah, okay? Today we're going to talk about Elisha, E-L-I-S-H-A. Why they didn't have the successor to Elijah be frank, I don't know, okay? But Elijah and Elisha, that's who we're talking about today. So Elisha. So who is Elisha? Well, his name means God saves. That's a pretty good, if your name's Elisha and your name means God saves, what a great name, right? Your parents did well. Uh, this is what we know about him. He was a farmer and he was a rich farmer because he didn't have one team of oxen. He didn't have two teams of oxen. He had 12 teams of oxen. So that was quite a bit for that time, so he was pretty wealthy. We know he's a young guy. Uh, we know he lives with his parents. Whether or not he lived in their basement, I don't know, but he lives with his parents still. And so we find out that Elijah, the prophet uh, that we've been studying, puts his mantle uh, on him. Now, as a kid, I always thought, I don't know what that means, you know? And when you hear mantle, I see the thing above a fireplace. So I'm picturing the poor guy walking around with this big shelf on his back. So a mantle is actually, was like his outer cloak. And this was a transitioning to a successor. It's a transference of prophetic power. So here's, here's how I understand it. These guys are gonna show a picture here of um, somebody who's near and dear to me. No, that's just me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so here, so, so the bald, smiling man in the middle is my brother-in-law, Scott. So Scott and I have been friends literally our whole lives. He's fantastic. He was my best friend all through high school because our best friend went to college without us <laughs> when John left. Scott and I spent a lot of time together. So uh, about 15, 16 months ago, Scott became 
Uh, he was our district superintendent, then he became the president of Nazarene Bible College. Sounds very fancy, but if you know Scott, he's just Scott. So, um, but he had this big inauguration that we went down for. And so, see the, the gold coin chain kind of thing around his neck? So one of the past presidents gave him that. One of the past presidents gave him this big old Bible, like your family Bible that you would never carry around because it's huge. And then somebody, one of the past presidents, we don't fully understand this, gave him a flaming torch. Like that is real fire. I was so glad it didn't burn his hair that day. I was lucky. Okay, so that was a transference of power. So the day before, he was not the president of NBC. That day, he became the president of NBC. So it was this transfer of power. Um, you might have experienced that if you graduated from high school, if you graduated from college. You weren't a graduate until you walked across the stage and somebody gave you a piece of paper and then you were a graduate, right? It was the transference of power. And that's what was happening from Elijah to Elisha. There was this transfer of prophetic power. Elijah's commitment, Elisha's commitment, I'm going to try and enunciate correctly today, a commitment showed uh, by what followed. So in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 20, he said, he left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my mother and father goodbye, he said, and then I'll come with you. And you know Elijah led him. Um, sometimes we see that and, and we hear from Jesus specifically like, nope, you don't have a mother and father anymore, just follow me. But Elijah wasn't that way. He said, yeah, you go, you go kind of wrap up your life and then come follow me. So Elijah went, nope, Elisha went, and he kissed his mother and father. So he was kind of helping them to understand, like, I'm, I'm going. We know he's a young guy. We know he was still living with them. So were they excited or were they like, see ya? I don't know, you know. So he goes and hugs them goodbye. And then he goes and cuts up all of his farm machinery, cuts up all of his 12 teams of oxen, barbecues him on top of the farm machinery, feeds his town. So he's like, I'm out, right? He's completely done with that life. And he doesn't do it in a like, oh man, I gotta go. He's pumped about it. He's, he's got a barbecue. He said it has a barbecue for the whole town. Come and say goodbye to me and I'm going with Elijah. It reminds me of that old song that says, you take the world, but give me Jesus. I think that's how Elisha must have felt. So he's this regular guy living with his parents, and he's called to do something great. So if you have this young man still at home, this young woman still at home, and you're like, what are you going to do with your life? You have no idea what God's going to call him to do, right? So be encouraged today because they're going to do something great. In 2 Kings, we find Elijah and Elisha at Gilgal. So Gilgal was this place of blessing. It was where the Israelites had crossed over the Jordan River and set up 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. So it was like an altar there. So Gilgal was a really important place. Now Elijah knows he's not much longer for this world. So he keeps trying to match Elisha, this nice new young prophet, to these existing prophets. So they see groups of existing prophets around Gilgal and he keeps saying, hey, you match up with these guys and go with them and they'll kind of teach you the ropes. He does that three times, and every time, Elisha says, no, I'm not going. I'm staying with you. I want to learn from you. I want to help you. I'm staying with you. And so we see that he, kicks, he st sticks with them. Elisha knew that if he is a servant first, then he would be trusted as a prophet. 
Until we come under authority, we will never be trusted with authority. You might want to write that down. That's good. Until, I read that in a book somewhere. I'm sure that's not an original idea. Until we come under authority, we will never be trusted with authority. So three times Elijah asked him to go, asked him to go three times Elisha says no. Um, so Elijah, knowing he wasn't very long for this world, said in 2 Kings 2, 9, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Elisha replied, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha only asked, Elijah only asked Elisha, man, I just might need to call him Frank. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Had demonstrated his loyalty and commitment by refusing to leave his mentor. This dedication, that seeking God's best attitude in Elisha is rewarded because he asked for a big thing. He asked for a double portion of the mighty spirit of Elijah. Remember, we were saying Elijah, he's done all this amazing stuff, and Elisha's saying, can I do twice that, please? That's pretty amazing. He had seen how the spirit of God had worked through Elijah, and he wanted the same for himself. So, Let's understand what the double portion is because it's not actually twice as much. It's the portion that was reserved for the firstborn son. So even though he had kind of already been named as a successor to Elijah, he was saying, can I have the prophetic power to go with that? Can I have the double portion blessing to go with this calling? Uh, the prophets, remember during that time, there was no Bible. So the prophets brought the word of God. They literally were like walking around Bibles. They were the word of God. And so as Elisha stuck really close to Elijah, then he was close to the word of God because they were literally the mouthpieces of God. No pressure at all, right? Holy cow. Okay, so in 2 Kings 2, 11 and 12, he says, as they were walking along and talking together, Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw, Elisha saw him no more because Elijah was gone. Then he took hold of his garment and he tore it in two. So in scripture, there's two people that never die. They just go to heaven. Elijah is one of them. Enoch is the other guy. They were taken just to heaven. So Elisha is tearing his robes in mourning because he's so sad that his, his mentor is gone. Then he like gets over it pretty quick because then he just starts doing miracles. I did not know this. Elisha is second in miracles in all of scripture only to Jesus Christ himself. That's amazing to me. So in your notes, I've listed all of his miracles. So let's look at those real quick. I'm going to read a couple of them for you because they are, oh, what is happening? Amazing, okay? So number one, he divides the Jordan River and walks on dry land. Um, remember, that's right around Gilgal. That happened with Joshua. He, he laid Moses' rod down, opened it up, and you can see that's in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 13 and 15. So I tried to include where all these were, so if you wanted to look them up, you could, Okay. In fact, Remix is probably going to do some of that today. So if you don't go to Sunday school after this, there's a small group called Remix in room 305. They are an incredible group of people. They talk about what happened in the sermon. They're going to check these out today. So you might want to hang out there, okay? Number two, he heals the water of Jericho. It had become um, kind of rancid and, and yuck, and so he heals it. 
All right, number three, we got to read. Because look at that. Boys tease him about being bald. He curses them, and bears kill 42 of them. What in the world is happening? Okay, so let's read it. So we're in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. From there, Elijah went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some youths came out of the town and jeered at him. Go on up, you bald head. They said, go on up, you bald head. Remember, people didn't, guys especially weren't bald during that time, okay? He turned around, looked at them, called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. (laughs) That is in the Bible, you guys. And then it says, and he went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. So he's like, "Mm -hmm, moving on, you know? Okay, I'd, sometimes I just can't get over it. When you read stuff like that and you think, Lord, what am I supposed to learn from this? What is the life application of this, <laughs> you know? Uh, all I know is don't tease Kevin Bermejo because he's bald <laughs> and there's bears around here. I don't know. Okay, all right, number four. He decrees water to come for the soldiers and animals, and it does. Number five, he defeats the Moabites. He creates an optical illusion, and it creates confusion. Elijah and the widow's oil, we're going to come back to that one. That's what we're going to talk about today. He decrees a son to be given to the Shunammite woman. Then that son dies, and he revives him back to life, which involved him laying over the son's dead body multiple times. The kid sneezes seven times, then opens his eyes. I don't know what the combo is there, but it was magical. Number 10, he purifies the pot of stew because it was poison, and they were about to eat it. He multiplies food. He heals Naaman's leprosy. He discerns Gehazi's lie. Then his servant Gehazi has leprosy all over his body because of his greed. Elisha makes an iron axe head float. He warns the king of Israel about the Syrians, not once, not twice, but three times. His servant's eyes are open to see there are more with us than there are with them. The Syrians are blinded. The entire Syrian army is captured. Then the Syrians are, he- are healed from their blindness. Elisha knows the king sent in a messenger to kill him. Two miraculous statements lead to the ending of a siege on Samaria. There's confusion among the Syrians leading to the end of the siege. Elijah warns of seven years of famine. King Ben-Hadad dies according to God's word. Remember, Elisha is walking around and he is God's word. So he said it and it happened. Haziel becomes king according to God's word. There's a miraculous statement made by Elisha that leads to Israel recapturing cities from Syria. And last but not least, let's read this one too. A man is revived to life by touching Elisha's dead body. So this is what this one says. This is in, where's this at? 2 Kings 13, 20 and 21 says, Elijah died and was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elijah's tomb. When the body touched Elijah's bones, the man came to life and stood up to his feet. So the guy's dead, and God's still using him to work miracles, because all he did was touch his bones. Amazing to me. So honestly, you guys, I just, I can't make this stuff up. You got kids mauled by bears for teasing the bald guy. You got poisonous stew. You got bad guys becoming blind, bad guys having leprosy. So I just think if you enjoy action, forget Netflix, man. (laughs) Read about Elijah because look at all this stuff that's going on. We're going to go back to number seven. 
We're going to study that one today. So we're in 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings in the Old Testament. Um, it's right after 1 Kings. <laughs> okay? And we're looking for the big number 4. That's the chapter. We're going to start at verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Now, who, who is that? What does that mean? So remember Elijah um, last week felt like he was, he was the only one left. He was very upset. He felt very lonely and, and really scared because Jezebel was after him. And we found out at the end, God said, you're not the last one left. There are 7,000 that have never bowed down or kissed Baal in worship. So you're not the only one left. And so you've got this group of believers. Within those believers were prophets, other prophets. And so this woman was married to one of those prophets, okay? So the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing at all, she said. Uh, well, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she just kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, Elisha, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts, you and your sons can live on what's left. Okay, this is an amazing story, isn't it? So we have this man of God, remember he's the very voice of God. He's like walking around scripture at this time. And here he is caring and compassionate to this woman, which I think looks a lot like Jesus. And we meet this desperate woman. Death has claimed her husband. Debt is about to claim her sons. And despair has already claimed her heart. She didn't know what to do, so she runs to the word of God. When you don't know what to do, know where to go. When you don't know what to do, know where to go. The world around us is constantly changing. We got culture that changes, laws that change, honestly, my own feelings that change. But the word of God is stable. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. So Elisha asked these two questions to this dear woman. How can I help you? And what do you have? That's the two questions he asked. Did you know that God, um, he won't ask you for stuff you don't have. He's, he's not asking for that. He will ask you for stuff you do have. And he can help you understand that in his hands, in his way, according to his will, what you have can go way further with him than if you try and do it without him. So what does the widow answer? She says, I don't, I don't have anything. Remember, he says, how can I help? What do you have? I don't have anything. I have nothing at all. Well, except for this little tiny flask of olive oil. How many times do we do that? The Lord says, what do you have, Cheryl? And I'm like, I, I'm out. I don't have anything. And he goes, except for, right? I, I think sometimes we think we don't do that, but I, 
I would, I'm not going to bet money because I'm preaching today. So I would say, <laughs> I would say if I came to your house, somebody in your family is standing in front of their closet and they're saying, I have nothing to wear today, right? And you look at their closet as a parent or as a husband and you say, or you could clothe the whole church, right? Uh, my adult kids come over to our house and we have gotten in the habit, sort of, of when we buy stuff, you actually have to prepare it to eat it. Because you know what? That shows a little effort. So, like, I don't, my, I don't buy ready-made cookies. Like, I got to make the cookies if I want the cookies, which obviously I do on a regular basis. But <laughs> I think you got to make a little effort. That's helpful, right? So our kids come over, they open the full fridge, the full cabinets, and they say, you don't have anything to eat because there's nothing ready-made, right? It's just not true. We do that over and over again in our life. How can I help? What do you have? I don't have anything. I got nothing. Well, except for that. But how are you going to use that, Lord? That's so insignificant. That's so unimportant. There's no way that that can matter to you. But it does matter to him. I have good news for you today. God takes your except... How can I help? What do you have? I don't have anything except for that little jar of olive oil. God takes your accept, God takes my accept, and he makes something exceptional out of it. Here's my ideas about this. Number one, stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you got. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you've got. Because God has given you ideas and abilities and talents and stuff that he can use. We don't serve a just enough God. We serve a more than enough God. In verse 3, Elisha tells the woman and her boys to go ask their neighbors for empty jars. And he specifically says, don't ask for just a few. We need to fight our human nature, the one that says, this is my stuff, and I need to protect it because when my stuff runs out or if I give my stuff to somebody else, then I don't have any stuff anymore. This is a scarcity mentality, and it's not of God. He asks us to live generous lives. Proverbs 11.24 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. If I choose to live with a scarcity mindset, I will miss the generous God who's right before me, asking me to live fully into my potential in Christ by living a generous life. I want to live constantly saying, I know my God will fill in the blank. I know my God will. His supply chain never runs out. <laughs> Aren't we grateful for that? Suggestion number two. Stop thinking small and start living large. Start thinking small and start living large. My Cheryl, human-sized brain cannot imagine all the ways that God wants to use me or all my stuff. But when I think about God, when I remember who my heavenly daddy is, I see how he lives and how he gives generously and how there's always more than enough. I was reading about this experiment that was done um, they, they took several thousand people and they tracked them for multiple years. 
and recorded all this data about them. And the, the um, actual experiment was called the science of generosity. So at the end, the scientists compiled everything and they came up with these three conclusions. The science of generosity. Number one, generous people feel more positive about life. Now this isn't just what the Bible says. In addition, it's also what science says. Generous people feel more positive about life. Number two, finding generous people have healthier relationships. And number three, finding generous people are more likely to be in excellent health. So the world is figuring out what the Bible has been teaching all along. <laughs> because Paul, the great missionary Paul in Acts chapter 20 verse 35 says, I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I think generosity is a state of mind. I don't think it's a state of money. Um, it's about perspective, not possessions. It says, use me, use my stuff. So um, something I discovered uh, this past week is in 2006, an alumni ONU football player uh, thought if a bunch of students came together to run the Chicago Marathon on behalf of World Vision, uh, they could raise some money. They could, they could raise a lot of money for clean water. So a few Sundays ago on October 9th, our very own Emma Wolf and Holly Honeycutt literally ran the Chicago Marathon on Team World Vision. Some of you may have given to it. Uh, we have a picture we're going to show. This picture is from 2018. I chose it because my buddy Bradley Hazelwood is in this picture because he ran it and so did Joy Miller um, in the past. And together over these last 17 years, they have raised millions of dollars for clean water around the world. This year alone, 1,570 people ran on Team World Vision and they raised, listen to this, $2,899,800 $2,899,812. That's how much they raise this. Because generosity is about perspective, not possessions. Can we take a look at this widow one more time? Because I didn't feel like she got a lot of information from Elisha. Did you? Did you know that you don't have to completely understand to completely obey immediately? That's pretty good pretty good news, isn't it? Because there's a lot of stuff I just don't fully understand. But could I be obedient anyway? I think she was. Even though we never learned her name, this widow joins the ranks of some pretty impressive folks who obeyed immediately without much information at all. Noah, Abraham, Mary, the disciples, all look at the blessings and look at all the blessings that came from their obedience. So they've gathered all the jars together and now they're behind closed doors and they begin pouring. So can't you just envision her now? I was gonna put olive oil in this, but then I thought it's gonna get all messy and I, I think that Lord, the Lord could have worked a miracle here this morning, but it wasn't for sure. So I just left it empty, okay? <laughs> so she had this little jar of olive oil and her boys went and collected not just a few jars, right? They got a bunch of jars. So they brought them to her and she starts pouring. I just, can you just put yourself in their, their little kitchen there or their room, wherever they were doing it? So this is maybe a quarter full, maybe a half full, because it said a little jar of olive oil. And she starts pouring into a jar that's obviously bigger. And as she's pouring, it keeps pouring 
and it keeps pouring. Can't you like feel them like, what is happening? How is that working? Right? And the boys are like, mom, what'd you do? And she's like, I don't know. He said to pour it into the jar. So I poured it into the jar and it won't run out. Look, it keeps going. Bring me some more jars, boys. So they go and they get some more jars because they went to the neighbors and they got their jars and she just keeps pouring. Still the same, she didn't go get, she didn't go to Costco and get the vat of olive oil out from under the sink, right? It's the same little jar and she keeps pouring it. She said, get, bring some more, boys. So they go and they got, they got all kinds of jars from the neighbors, right? Some of them didn't look very jarish, but they said, that's okay. We'll just keep filling it. And so she just keeps filling and filling. And I can just put, she said, okay, those are all full. Okay, we'll go, to, we'll go get some more, mom. Okay, so they go and they get the last of the jars and she's filling all of them and she's filling and she's filling and she's filling and she's filling and she says, okay, go get some more. And they, oh, that's it. That's all the jars we could get. Now, I just went and scrounged in the church. I think, this fly's making me crazy. <laughs> I think that they had a huge table. I think this was a very small example. Because what does it say at the end? She paid off all of her debt, and they lived the rest of their lives on their olive oil money. How in the world could that happen? That's amazing to me. Never switched pouring. This was it. That's all she poured from. Over and over and over again. Now that's a good story, right? Bears mauling people, excellent. This also, very good, okay? Because God wants to meet our needs. It wasn't what God wanted from them. It's what he wanted for them. He wanted to meet their needs. Do you know, um, do what you know he's asking you to do because blessings come with obedience. Let me say that one more time. Do what you know he's asking you to do because blessings come with obedience. If you aren't sure what to do, think back and find the last time he asked you to do something and you didn't do it and start there. So, at one point maybe the Lord was asking you to tithe. And you said, you know what? I looked at our finances this week, or this month, it's just, it's not gonna work for us. We just can't do it. Go back and write that tithe check. Because you can do it. <laughs> because God is the God of olive oil jars. He is not the God of just enough, he's the God of more than enough. Go back and write that check. Maybe you need to go and support that friend. The Lord brought somebody to mind, and you're like, ooh, I looked at my schedule, my calendar's just too packed, there's no way I can fit somebody in. I, Love to help them, I just can't help them. Clear your calendar and go support that friend. Forgive your family member. You know what? You don't know what they did to me. I'm, I can't forgive them. I don't think I'll ever forgive them. The problem with that is that hard heart that you're growing, that bitterness that you're growing, it's like you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Let that go. Go and forgive them because that's the start of obedience. Maybe you need to ask your neighbors for more jars, figuratively speaking. <laughs> Maybe you didn't get enough the first time. Maybe you went and said, do you have just, the, just one jar? It'd be great. 
That wouldn't have been following directions, right? He said, go and ask for not a few jars, ask him for all they have. Maybe you need to ask for more jars. My last suggestion, number three, exceptional people follow an exceptional plan. Remember, we're all exceptional because God takes our accept and makes it exceptional. So exceptional people follow an exceptional plan. Elijah had asked for a double portion of blessing. This widow, because of her debt, was in bondage and was not living a blessed life, right? She wouldn't have said she was living a blessed life, let alone a double portion blessed life. Looking at the plan laid out in this scripture, if God didn't show up, this woman would have been no sons at this house, lots of empty jars. That's what the result would have been if God wouldn't have shown up. The book of Proverbs is full of verses about generosity and money. Did you know there are more verses about money and possessions in the Bible than verses about prayer and faith and heaven combined? I did not know that. Money is the number one reason for divorce in the United States. 90% of us in our country have debt and 70% would be listed as serious debt. This year alone, USA citizens accrued $1 trillion in credit card debt. And every 15 seconds, someone in the good old U.S. of A. files for bankruptcy. One author states there are three groups. There are the haves, there are the have-nots, and there are the have-not-paid-for-yets. Those are the three groups. God directed Elisha to share an unusual and exceptional plan with the widow in 2 Kings 4, and she followed the plan. God gives us plans throughout Scripture for many different things in our lives, but one of his main plans is to give, to save, and to live. He wants us to have freedom in our lives, which means to live generously. We live blessed lives when we put him first in every, every single area of our life because we can trust him, right? We sing that earlier. He's a good father. We can trust him. And when I follow God's exceptional plan for my life, I can find my purpose. So what do we learn from this Elisha miracle number seven? Number one, stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you got. Number two, stop thinking small and start living large. And number three, exceptional people follow an exceptional plan. So what does God have for you today? Does he want you to ask for more jars, even though you may not have all your questions answered? And watch as he fills them, because I think he could grow your faith like that. Does he want to use your accept? How can I help? What do you have? Nothing. I don't have anything. Well, except for this little tiny jar of olive oil. Does he want to use your accept to create something exceptional? And will you let him? Does he want you to trust him by living a generous life, knowing that will bring a double portion of blessing? So let's ask the Holy Spirit today and then be obedient, quickly obedient just like the widow was. Will you pray with me? Lord, Elisha, we just did like a super fast forward Cliff Notes version of his life today. But this particular miracle really stuck out to me. The fact that this sweet lady who honestly was desperate, she'd already lost her husband, she knew she was going to lose her sons to those debtors. She knew where to go. 
Lord, do I, do I go to you when I know I need some help here? When I know I, I have no idea what to do. I don't know what the next step is. When I know at times in my life I have not been quickly obedient to you because I didn't have enough information. If you could just give me, if you could just lay out the plan for me, Lord, then maybe I could take a step that direction. But I, I don't really get the plan. So thank you for this example to help me to understand what it looks like to live an exceptional life because you take my accept and you say, I can do something with that, Cheryl. For my friends this morning who might be saying to themselves, to you, I don't have anything for you, Lord. I don't have any money right now. I, my family's kind of a mess. Honestly, I'm kind of a mess. I don't, I don't really have anything. I'm not even sure I have an accept. Would your Holy Spirit, with his, his great insight and light, show that person today, oh, you have so much to offer. I can use all of this for the kingdom of heaven because not one moment in our lives is wasted in the kingdom of heaven. It's all a part of our story, Lord, and our story, when it connects to your story, <laughs> that's when great life change can happen. So thank you for all those moments through our life, through our Jesus journey, where you met us there and where you said, you do have something to offer. Can I have that? Can you live generously with that? Can you please go ahead and do this that I've asked you to do? Can you go back and be obedient now and then we'll learn together what obedience looks like? And Lord, I know all of that will grow our faith and we're so grateful for it. So thank you for Elijah and his life and thank you, Lord, for Elisha and his life. Thank you for your sweet holy word that we can read and understand and apply to our own life where we can see these, these snippets because, Lord, we do want to make a difference. We do want our lives to have purpose. We want the kingdom of God to be bigger because we love you. So thank you, Lord, for pouring that into us and help us to pour that out to the people in our sphere of influence. You are a great God, so worthy of our praise today. We love you, Lord. We celebrate you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.